Shroom for Two, Episode Two, Does Ketchup Cut the Mustard? Welcome to Shroom for Two, the only Plants vs. Zombies Heroes podcast with a second episode. I'm Mike. And I'm Taylor. And I finally hit ultimate rank. Congratulations. I've still got a little ways to go. I'm at uh, 47 right now, I think. I'm very proud of myself. Sunday morning, I made it through with a with a deck we'll be talking about a little bit later. But now I'm up there and I'm messing around with fun decks and losing to people and not caring anymore. You know what? You can have my stars. When I saw that the ladder reset was coming a week from Monday... October 2nd. October 2nd, yeah. I was at lunch and I thought, oh, okay, I was at 45... Point two, I think, two wins on rank 45. And I thought, all right, well, my, my 10x deck this week is is pretty good. It was a, a Spadao deck. And I'll just, you know, jam a bunch of games with this to, to try to zoom up the ladder as quickly as I can. And I played pretty consistently for, for four or five hours and ended the day at 45.0, went on a huge, huge losing streak. And was very grateful that you can't drop below the... the whole numbers, you know, because otherwise I would have been down at like 40. Yeah, that was one of my least favorite things about Hearthstone is getting up to rank 2 or 1 and then losing all the way back to 5. I and I, I like the way this ladder works more than Hearthstone, I think. The the rewards are more discretized, you know. You get the same reward if you're at 49 that you do if you're at 40. Getting the sort of interstitial gems is good as well. It's a good way to kind of keep yourself in packs, although I am saving all my gems right now for set 3. That's probably smart. I keep I keep buying uh, a pack here or there, and uh, I I bought a fruit pack the other day, and I got I got a shooting star fruit out of it. So feeling good oh, about nice. that. And my only experience with that has been off of uh, Captain Cucumber. Yeah, you, you're up to what three, five, eight of those now. I have three Captain Cucumbers now, and it feels pretty good. Let me tell you. Yeah. Okay, so this week we're going to talk about three cards in the card of the week. We are. We're going to talk about Captain Deadbeard, the card of the week from last week, Ketchup Mechanic, card of the week from this week, and maybe say a few words about Pumpkin Boy, whose whose real name I don't actually know, though the the early access one that's probably coming out on Halloween. I keep wanting to call him Pumpkin because of that Yu-Gi-Oh card, but that's probably not it either. It's pump haunted something. Anyway, the the one mana four two. But let's start with Captain Deadbeard. So I uh, I thought this was good enough that I ground out all four copies. Did you do that same thing? I did, yeah. I, I, I made a couple of pirate decks with, with Brain Freeze and Huge Giganticus. Yeah, me too. I think that it's a very, very solid card. I don't think it's going to set the world on fire or anything. If you're doing a pirate thing, you'll certainly play four of them. And I think it might even be good enough to just play as you know one of the best generic threes in the sneaky class. It is sneaky, right? Yep, all the pirates are sneaky. Well, most of the pirates are sneaky. Three mana, two, four with, with Strike Through, I think, would just be good enough on rate to just play... It wears buffs very well. If you happen to have other pirates, you get even more of a bonus. I love putting it behind the graveyard lane in lane four, and that way you kind of surprise your opponent by making your your smaller pirate guys uh, even more of a threat. And it does wear buffs very well. I made a brain freeze deck, and combining it with something like Maniacal Laugh or, or Loudmouth, that uh, big strike-through hits are, are real nice. I think it's uh, not to be... Not to be left out that the four health on a three mana creature dodges a lot of the 
the damage based removal so it's not going to get killed by berry blast or any of that stuff oh yeah it 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 should be pointed out that the the strike through bonus does not apply to things with anti-hero so if you're running the uh the space pirate right three mana three two with two anti-hero it's only going to do three and not five i i learned that the hard way still fine though i mean Three mana three two with strike through I think is also good enough to just play. If that if that was just a card, I would totally play that card. And that was Captain Deadbeard. Like, do we do we have anything more to say on this? Like, it's good. Pirates are cool. Uh, try a pirate deck. You know, intergalactic warlord, plankwalker, lots of cool stuff going on. Yeah, I think that I think it's good to to have event cards like this that are that are very simple. You know, click P is amazing and it goes in every deck practically, but it has many many lines of text and is kind of complicated to explain captain deadbeard is just three mana two four good stats it's a pirate lord you play in a deck with pirates it's good enough to probably play without that many pirates the, those kinds of cards are going to be easy ways for players whose best cards come from the event mechanic to to start making good decks yeah. also i think that this helps the uh the change they made to the barrel of deadbeard's legendary by making this cool mechanic a lot more accessible to people who don't have that card and no longer behind that weird uh, break the barrel first. For sure. I like that card. And I, I also think it's cool that they, they're comfortable kind of changing around the cards that exist already if they have a cool synergy with a card that's yet to come out. I think that that's something that a game like Hearthstone probably wouldn't do to change a card you know, before that card that they're trying to redesign for comes out in that way. They're, they're very hesitant to do that sort of thing. And uh, it was a fun way of like giving us a preview of, like, hey, Captain Deadbeard's different, and also you're going to get to play it just as a card in your deck later. Yeah, feels good. Moving on to this week's event card, the catch-up mechanic. So this is, without a doubt, my new favorite card name. <laughs> uh, when, I, when I saw this in you know the, the upcoming stuff, and I thought, oh my god, some... Some nerd somewhere who has the same kind of card game sensibilities as me just was tickled pink with this name, and so was so was I. Also, it is a fruit plant for all of the nerds out there. Why is that relevant? Because people like to argue about whether tomatoes are a fruit or a vegetable. Oh, right. <laughs> yes, that's true. I guess this was designed around the idea of it being turn three, and you haven't played anything yet, and your opponent has you know, like three or four zombies out on the field already, and you're you're getting kind of close to 10 life. It's good against a deck that I really like to play, which is the, the kind of dancing, go-wide stuff, you know, like Electric Boogaloo, where, you know, on turn one you play a party zombie or something like that, and then on turn two you play a thing, and on turn three you play a thing that makes a token, and you've got four dudes, and, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're overshooting and dealing a little bit extra damage that way or something like that. Maybe you've got bullseye a few times, and this comes down and eats one of their creatures and gains you a little bit of life. You can think about it as kind of a backwards uh, flamenco zombie. I'm not sure how much I like this against, say, an imp deck, where because you can't kill the toxic waste imp with this, whatever you put this in front of is going to get killed by it automatically. Because they're, like, of, of the decks that that swarm you you know there's there's dance decks there's imps there's pet decks and sports decks as well and catching a mechanic really only protects one lane it feels like it doesn't do a lot as far as catching you up by putting only one body on the board compared to the three or four you're still facing right it's it's certainly it's certainly no pop and poppies yeah i 
I like it more as a a heart choke activator for for later okay. on. It, it's a good way to you know if you it can do like six damage to it all at once, and I could see playing it instead of Taco for a three mana heal activator and also putting a good body there. I was playing that deck last week and. Taco was one of the weakest cards in the deck for sure, just because it doesn't affect the board. I agree that if if your opponent's entire team has deadly, this really doesn't do as much as it looks like it does, because, you know, one of the hopes with cards that are overstatted for their cost, you know, like a three mana four four would be, is that it would trade for more than one card. That's so that's one of the ways that you can beat aggro decks is by forcing them to to spend multiple cards to to beat the cards that you've got. And if you can gain life along the way, then that's really exactly what you want to be doing. But Toxic Waste Dump does kind of kind of ruin that a little bit. But I mean, this card isn't as good as Toxic Waste Dump because Toxic Waste Dump is probably one of the 10 best cards in the whole game. Um, and so just because this doesn't stand up to Toxic Waste Dump doesn't mean I, that it's not good. I think it's, it's most assuredly not a four of, and Toxic Waste Dump is definitely a four of in any deck that you'd ever want to play it. But this... I think is versatile enough and and does help you in situations where you need to get helped that I would probably include it in a solar deck that wants the game to go long. Yeah, there 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 aren't really many cards that that give you a creature and also heal yourself, especially on the plant side. So this mm-hmm. definitely uh fills that that sought after niche and you can play it after, you know, if you play Pepper MD, you can play this on turn three, and you have two bodies, you know, maybe even two four fours, which, you know, that, that feels pretty good, right? That does feel good, and in fact, that is, that's probably the best proactive way to use this card, you know. This this wants your opponent to have a board already, but a three mana 2-2 two, two that comes into play and gains you a life and gives your other thing plus two plus two, you know, that's... um. What's that? The three mana zombie with gravestone that gives a thing plus two plus two. Like that card's loud fine. Mouth. This card, loudmouth. Yeah. If this card effectively does that same thing, then then yeah, that's probably okay. Yeah. Pepper MD back. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> also, does Walnut really need another thing right now? Like like heal, healing decks have have proven to be really strong, and this is just one more tool for those. They're there's apparently an upcoming change to the uh, the Venus flytrap planet to make it a little more expensive, but the yeah, he- that's worth it, I think. Yeah, it, but yeah, Wal- Walnut's fine, right? You you guys all like Walnut, right? Walnut's okay. It's actually one of the heroes I don't have. I have I'm missing five heroes, and that's one of them. So the third card that we were going to talk about this week, just for a little while, is the pumpkin. Guy, I'm gonna the, I'm, the I'm gonna look up his name right now so we so we know what it's called. I might still call him Pumpkin Boy. Haunted Pumpkin. Really, the biggest thing to talk about with this, I think, is how good is a one mana four two? A one mana four two that draws your opponent a good card. First of all, is that an aggro card or is that a control card? Because it certainly, if they don't block it, it does some not small amount of damage, but it also dies to everything. But it is also capable of blocking a big thing. One mana to kill a creature with four health. That's not terrible. And maybe if you're a control deck that's trying to kill them some weird way, drawing them a monster, of which I guess most monsters are good cards, but they could still whiff on that draw, maybe that card doesn't matter. Well, the the weakest monster card is the the Haunting Zombie, which is a 2-mana a 2-1 two two that trades with, the, with Pumpkin Boy. 
but everything else than that is uh, much stronger and in some cases really awesome. Yeah, certainly the if if the worst card that you can give your opponent is a two mana play that profitably trades with your one mana play, then that implies that that's not what you want to do. That doesn't necessarily mean the card is bad, but it means that playing it on turn one is probably not what you want to be doing. Okay. Now now think about Pumpkin Boy from from the zombie side, where, you know, they play it on turn one and they hit you for four that turn, but you also gain a card for it, possibly something that can even even take it out for you. And on turn two, you're probably going to have a monster you can put in that lane. So it almost becomes like a take four damage draw card. Like, I can take four damage on turn one. I've, I've played against Tennis Zombie. I can handle that. That's true. Yeah, it, Tennis Zombie, I think, is a, good, is a good point of reference. That card is okay. It has some combos with, you know, stuff that lets you do a bonus attack or... Again, it trades with stuff in the late game. You know, it's a good way to take out a, a Briar Rose that's that's getting in your hair or something like that. But I don't think that if your plan is to kill them by consistently playing a turn one tennis zombie, there's a lot of a lot of ways for that to go wrong for you. And I think that those are pretty similar to the ways that Pumpkin Boy can go wrong. Yeah, when you when you play Pumpkin Boy on turn one, the game almost turns into okay, how long can I keep that lane open? I think the uh, one of the daily challenges a few days ago did a really good job showing it by putting in like sweet potato and things like that as just a way to to keep moving things around and and letting him keep hitting for four every turn. It's a good argument for not playing it on turn one. Play it on turn whatever so that you can also cast your removal spell to open the lane up or something like that. My last final note about uh, the Pumpkin King is that. Cards that give you an extra card are usually pretty good. So cards that give your opponent an extra card sound really, really dangerous. Yeah, for sure. That's a that's a great, you know, just kind of back of the envelope check of whether a card is is going to be good for your game plan or not is how many cards worth of value does it give you and how many cards worth of value does it give your opponent. And right now, if you're if if this comes into play and your opponent trades a card for it, that means they're up a card, because it drew them a card. If it comes into play and they trade two cards for it, which seems pretty unlikely, then you're even. I was just looking to see if there were any solar environments that worked well with it, and the answer is no. Yeah, it's not the kind of thing that you want to put in like a Pear Paradise. Yeah, no, no, do not play this card in Pear Paradise. <laughs> Maybe in a coffee ground if you're feeling really cocky and oh, confident sure. you can protect it. Yeah, just if you just want to go all in and you want to go turn one, super fragile thing, turn two, super fragile thing, and then just hope that you win, then then sure, you can try that, I guess. That's that's not at the top of my list of ideas. You'll, you'll win some games like that, but probably not very reliably. Mm-hmm. A best case scenario mentality is what Magic players describe that as. But yeah, I, I really like this in Chompzilla just because of things like Sweet Pea and Banana Peel and and sweet potato as as ways to move things around. Yeah, that's right. The 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 more ways you have to protect it, the the better you are off. I think the way I ended up winning in the daily challenge was uh was on turn 6 playing playing my second pumpkin boy and then uh the red planted to make it into a a 9/7. Yeah, I was thinking like uh one of the one of the things that's going to come up in the strategy segment is uh espresso fiesta. One oh, my, yeah. My my uh, one of my picks for worst card in the game 
And if you need to combo with Espresso Fiesta, a thing that's cheap enough to play it on the same turn as Espresso Fiesta is, I guess, the way to do it. But Espresso Fiesta is really not not the kind of thing I want to be hanging my hat on. I've been seeing a lot of Espresso Fiesta over the last week as a finisher and losing to it more times than I would like to admit. I've lost to it a couple times, but I just don't I just don't think that it is I just don't think that it is what I want to be spending turn 8 on, and I think that it's even pretty rare that it's good on turn 8. Yeah, I've I I've lost to it on turn 8, but mostly that involves me getting mad at the block meter for not helping me out more. Sure, it's it's um I mean this, this is this is not a segment about espresso fiesta, but I think just kind of in general the games that I lose to espresso fiesta, I really lost to something else. Espresso fiesta was just kind of the thing that slammed the door. Um and so, you know, like uh I guess there's some there's some analogies to Hearthstone cards like Leroy Jenkins and things like that that like it looks like it's the card that you lost to because it was the card that dealt you the last point of damage. But really the thing that, that caused you to lose was, you know, good trades they made earlier in the game or, you know, cards that drew them lots of versatile answers to deal with whatever it was you were doing. When uh, when testing out my, my pirate brain freeze deck, I, I lost once or twice to Espresso Fiesta before I could play, like, Ice Pirate plus Maniacal Laugh. Right. But, yeah, that, that, that that's about it. All right, so for this segment, I'm going to talk about some strategy stuff. And I'm specifically going to talk about some strategy stuff that I heard on probably the best gaming podcast that I'm familiar with. It's called Limited Resources. And one of the things that that show is really credited with is this concept of quadrant theory, which is this sort of philosophy that a card game like Plants vs. Zombies Heroes can exist in one of four states, and that cards are good in some of those states and not good in other states. By looking at under what circumstances a card is good, you can decide just how good the card is and whether it's worth putting in your deck. So the four states of a game, according to this theory, are the developing phase, which is when the game just started and you and your opponent are both making your early game plays. Either cheap creatures that your opponent's going to want to kill or cheap creatures that your opponent maybe can't afford to kill early because it punishes them somehow. Examples of this are Arm Wrestler and Black Eyed Pea. Those are cheap creatures that, when you play them, they're going to be relevant on the board. Your opponent is unlikely to play a creature that's bigger than them. If they have to burn a removal spell, you have to spend a good card to do it. And they're difficult to kill just with straight creature-creature combat. You know, you can't play a 2-2 in front of Arm Wrestler and win the fight because Arm Wrestler becomes a 3-3, for example. The next phase is called Parity. In this phase, you're jockeying for position. Maybe you've both got about an equal board presence. And you're trying to find a card that gets you over the top, that pushes you ahead on the board from what your opponent is doing. You want cards that deal with multiple threats in that circumstance or maybe punish your opponent for, for going too big on, on one particular thing. So good examples of that are Weed Spray, Zombie Coach, and the last one I have here is Cherry Bomb, something to just kill multiple creatures on your opponent's side. If you can consistently do that, then that is a good way to, to get ahead when you've both got a board. The third circumstance that a game can be in is that you're winning. This is the least important quadrant because if you're winning, then pretty much any card that gets you a little bit more ahead is going to be good enough. The thing to keep in mind about this quadrant is that cards that are only good when you're winning are actually bad. So 
if you need to be ahead on board in order for your car to be good, then most of the time you're not going to be ahead on board, or at least that the most important cards in your deck are the cards that get you ahead on board. And so it's probably better to just include more of those in your deck than it is to include cards that cards that let you slam the door. If I'm ahead already, you know, a card that's good in that circumstance might be something like Brain Anna. Brain Anna says, if I've got a big board that they're going to have to spend an expensive trick to deal with it all, just prevent them from playing that trick. Just they lose all their brains, no tricks to get them out of this situation, and then that might mean that you win. And if it means that you actually just win on that turn, which Brain Anna often does mean, then it is worth it to put you know one or two of those in your deck to, to get you out of the danger of that situation. The most important quadrant, however, is the quadrant where you're behind. That's when your opponent is beating you, and if you don't turn the tide, your opponent is going to win. These are things that you could say, like Nurse Gargantua or Tactical Cube. Those are cards that will take a situation where something is very bad and just completely get rid of that situation. If you're almost dead and you have a Nurse Gargantua in lane one and it deals six damage and you gain six life, then you're probably doing a whole lot better. You're probably going to survive another turn and Nurse Gargantua is probably going to gain you even more life. That's a good way to pull yourself out of the swamp. Tactical Cuke says if they have a bunch of creatures, kill most of them. That is something that if you don't have any creatures and they've got a bunch of them, then Tactical Cuke is obviously way better for you than it is for your opponent. The most important thing about this is that the best cards that are good when you're behind are often too expensive for an aggro deck to play. So an aggro deck needs to really make sure that they never get behind on board. If the aggro deck's answer to, to winning when they're behind on board is to just kill them before you get behind on board. So you want to play cards like Flamenco Zombie or some cards with Bullseye that let you end the game as quickly as possible so that you don't have to even get to the part of the game where you're behind on board. But if you're playing a control deck, you really want to have some amount of those cards in your deck because you need to go from behind, which you will be at the start of the game, to ahead, which you will be in the late game. This is the quadrant where Ketchup Mechanic is trying to exist. Ketchup Mechanic is trying to come into play when they've got a board and you don't, or they've got a board and you've got a smaller board, and get you out of that situation. So the way to evaluate Ketchup Mechanic in this circumstance is how many creatures do they need to have in order for Ketchup Mechanic to be worth playing. I think that if they have one or two creatures, Ketchup Mechanic is probably not worth it. At least probably isn't good enough to make you start winning if you're losing at that moment. A three mana, three, three that gains you two life, if you're behind, I don't think that's really going to do that much for you. But if they've got three or four creatures, then all of a sudden now we're talking. A three mana, four, four, or a three mana, five, five, is probably going to eat at least one of their zombies. Maybe even two. Maybe even two. And that is, that's something that you need to be doing. You need to survive and open the lanes up so that you can get the pressure off you. Um, however, I think that catch-up mechanic is really only good when you're behind. Certainly it's too expensive to be playing on turn one or two. And if they don't have a board yet, it doesn't do anything. If catch-up mechanic comes into play when you're at parity, then that could be, that could be pretty good. But your lanes are probably full in that circumstance, or maybe if they're at parity, they're going to have answers to get them ahead of parity that are better than catch-up mechanic. They're going to be playing things like zombie coach that catch-up mechanic, while fine in that circumstance, are going to lose in combat too. And if you're ahead, 
I guess that's okay for you to to come into play and gain two life and and make a three three or something like that. But again, almost any card will be better than that when you're ahead. Like an expensive card that does some awesome thing would be better than catch up mechanic in that case. So I think that catch up mechanic ultimately really ends up just being okay, you know, maybe as a C plus or a B minus on the power scale, because it's really only good when you're behind and really only good under a very specific circumstance of you being behind. They, their board can't be so giant with like, you know, Sharkbot or whatever. If, you, if they've got a Sharkbot, Ketchup Mechanic isn't going to help you at all because it's just going to die. You're going to gain a little bit of life, but then Sharkbot's going to hit you for a million and then you're going to be dead anyway. It's also not as good against control decks who, you know, might pass on their first four turns. Sure. If they're playing, you know, cards like, I don't know, Cosmic Dancer, then Ketchup Mechanic is pretty good. But if they're playing cards like Nurse Gargantuar, Ketchup Mechanic isn't going to cut it. Not going to cut the mustard, would you say? Exactly, yes. I thought about that and I decided not to say it. So thank you for taking one for the team. I decided to relish in the opportunity. So there. Oh my goodness. I think we better stop this segment. This is getting out of control. And that was our new segment, Nerd Talk. Moving on to our deck deep dive of the week. We're going to start doing one of these, we think. One of these per show. Right. But uh, I uh, I had Rust Bolt as my, my 10x hero of last week, so I, I decided to throw together a sports deck because I haven't made a sports deck in a while. And I took a look at what I had and realized... Hey, I could, I could take out the Intergalactic Warlord and the Defensive Ends, and this could pass for a budget deck. So yeah, I made a budget sports deck for this week. And it, it did pretty well. It got me through rank 49 to 50. It only has one event card uh, going viral, because that is just a tremendous finisher, and it's, it's new enough that I don't feel too bad about including it into a budget deck. Yeah, it's a, it's a thousand dust to craft it now. Yeah, I, 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 I'm a big fan. And you don't even need four of them because they, they self-replicate. Yeah, I don't need, I don't have any. That's one of the event cards I don't have, and I'm pretty jealous, to be honest. I'm saving my dust for set three, though. Yeah. But yeah, you know, sports decks have, have their, their classic mainstays. You know, Arm Wrestler, Sumo Zombie, into, into Mascot, into Coach Z. But uh, around that, I also I threw in uh, the Cosmic Sports Guy because... Anything that conjures you a card in a budget deck is wonderful, because sometimes you'll get something just unfair that you shouldn't have. That's also why I have uh, four Escape Through Times in there, because, you know, hey, turns out you're running a Valkyrie deck now. Have fun. It's pretty good at protecting Mascot, too. Mascot or the uh, the, the Planetary Gladiator. That is that is a combination that makes me so mad when I'm up against it. Like, you, you know, anytime you play Escape Through Time... Three turns in a row, including one that conjures another one for itself. Yeah, that's that's a kind of irritating, uh, irritating mode of escape through time when they get a second one. It's 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 so good and it's so cheap and I love it. But I um in, as as my 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 biggest card, I put in three all star zombies, which are are good. They're they're not defensive end, so they don't see as much use, but it's still a very nice card to have. Like, something with six health and one armor is really hard to kill, and it already has Frenzy going. Yeah, it's it's kind of a budget replacement for Kitchen Sink Zombie in some ways. It really just punishes them for having small creatures and is hard to kill. And it only costs five, too, which, which that's nice. It, um, it also combos really well with the, the Electrician Zombie, who gives one of your guys a bonus attack. Because mm-hmm. Electrician, with anything that has Frenzy, is double plus good. Yeah, for sure. 
I also, you know, put in a couple of removal spells because Rustbolt has those for days. And uh, only two black hole environments. I used to have more of them in there, but I got too frustrated when my hand had, like, three of them and, and no more dudes to play. But, you know, black hole's still really nice to set up with an arm wrestler or paint over a uh, an environment they have. It's It really screws some decks, too. Like, I still will will misevaluate a board when I'm playing you know, a deck with team up creatures and black hole, you know, remembering that your team up creatures also get yanked out of the way is, is something that's pretty easy to forget. This deck really struggles if you don't get the mascot running early on, because then your sumo just stays a two, three, and you just have a, you have your, your lanes clogged with, with kind of weak dudes. And, uh, since since it's Rust Bolt, you don't have anything you can put in water lanes unless you get something weird off of Sports Zombie. Or like Synchronized Swimmer, I guess. Um, that and the 4-3 the, the Surfboard guy. But yeah, some, sometimes you get unfair things your hero shouldn't be allowed to have like that. Or, you know, a 4-mana defensive end. Yeah, that's the, the Cosmic Zombie, or the, all the Cosmic dudes, I think, are excellent. And Cosmic Sports Man is no exception to that. Just a zero mana sumo zombie is just bananas. Yeah, the, the, the cheapness might make him the best of of all of the, the cosmic dudes. Certainly cost reduction mechanics are, are one of the most frequently busted things in, in card games like this. So anytime anytime I see a card that reduces the cost of something else, that's always like, hey, you should maybe play this because this is probably pretty good. So why electrician and not some other three mana utility creature? Well, I was actually running weed spray before that. But I found it to be kind of underperforming, and my choice was either, okay, I could find a way to put in the uh, the Landscaper that, that, that shrinks an attack by two, or I could throw in the Electrician. The Electrician I like because people don't expect it in a sports deck, like they might think it's another Sumo Zombie or something like that. If, you're, if your buffed-up mascot is looking to to trade with something, it can help get, get that extra kill out of the way. I might have also put in like the, the two-mana bonus attack spell, but... Right, yeah. Creatures are probably better than spells in this case, if you're trying to do the going viral thing. Exactly. Okay, so uh, what cards in here would you say that someone, let's say people probably have, you know, Sumo Zombie and and Zombie Coach and things like that, but you've got a lot of purples in here, even though it's a budget deck, so which one of these do you think is the most important? Of the purples? Yeah, which which one of those would you craft first? Uh, I mean, Rocket Science is really, really good, just... Killing anything with four attack or more is a great way to play above your weight class when you're when you're facing some really big dudes like like Colonel Corn and such. Right. Yeah. All Star Zombie is nice. Like it, you you need something big and burly to get in there. You know, you you could maybe put in like Rodeo Rodeo Gargantuar instead. Yeah, that's a fine one. Yeah, Electrician. Like I said, you could replace that with the uh, with the two mana bonus attack trick. And the Black Hole that. Those mostly just exist to be an environment to overwrite the plant environment, so you could put Cone Zone in there and still feel all right. Cone Zone also is wonderful with the mascot zombie. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Gladiator as well. Yeah, Gladiator is ridiculously good, even before you remember it is a sports guy. Because yeah. like the the fact that that gets buffed up by mascot and and helped out by Coach Z just makes it really unfair. I don't think it's unfair. It's just it's just annoying. You know, it's it it still dies to you know removal spells that just kill it outright. You know, it's still 
isn't it still is only a one three you know what i mean but it it really does you know gain you probably four or five life if you play it on turn one i think the fact that it's a hardy card and escape through time is a hardy card and coach z is a hardy card that gives it some really powerful friends that can go with it in whatever hero you make a sports deck out of so what is this deck weak to uh colonel corn it operates in this weird space where it has some all-right late game, but not the best late game. Right. In that once you get to, you know, those legendaries that come out on, you know, turn 8, 9, 10, those can can really shake things up. Uh, Tactical Cuke is, is really terrifying because it doesn't care about Coach Z at all. Mm-hmm. You seem pretty good against Captain Cucumber. Uh, Black Hole is real good about that, and you got the the Rolling Stone or whatever. Yeah, Rolling Stone is is really nice to have to uh, also get rid of things like Black Eyed Pea. Right. It also uh, it doesn't really have a lot of ways to deal with amphibious creatures, so mm. like a like an especially good uh, Bean deck can can whittle you down before you can win. Right. Okay. How do you think you'd fare against Go Nuts? Uh. I mean, frenzy plus immune is is pretty hard to topple. Like, I probably not as good after I got the after I uh, took out the weed sprays. Right. But you know, sumo zombie can move it to a to a more vulnerable lane, which that That's is a, a really nice check to have. Yeah, and and rocket science can can take care of if of any creature that has too much health and gets a little too big. Yeah, and I guess go nuts is going to be in rocket science range pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And of course, sometimes you just get arm wrestler sumo zombie right away, and oh, you yeah. don't really need much more after that. Yeah, that combo was good the first week this game was out, and it's still good now. Bros for life. Yeah, no kidding. If you had to put one legendary in this deck, which one do you think you'd want? Uh, Intergalactic Warlord probably is my, my first answer, because I have one of them, and I put that in every hardy deck I make. But okay. uh, Undying Pharaoh is is a really good card to have and really frustrating to play against. I've been seeing a decent amount of that on ladder, and it'll often come out at a point late enough in the game where I've burnt my removal on other things. Yeah. Does Defensive End count as legendary? Uh, it's certainly as good as one. Yeah, it it, it should be. I, I am I've 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 been a big defensive fan since we first saw it and worked my ass off to make four of them. I would probably put those in instead of All-Star if I was going to make just a, a regular sports deck instead of a budget one. Right. Yeah, and so and this got you over the finish line to ultimate rank? It did. I, I, I won my, my, my last two games with this and a, a couple more throughout. I played a lot of Flower Rose, too, because I, I had that as my other 10 next zero. But yeah, I, I, I beat a very nasty Chompzilla that ran... Potted powerhouse and also catch it mechanic. I can. I can oh man! Th- I'll put a screenshot of my my last turn win in the show notes. Oh yeah, that's good stuff. Okay, well, congrats on getting legend, and, and uh, glad you did it with a deck that wasn't just like loaded up with all the best cards. Yeah, yeah, I, I felt good, and I, I hope you can make it there soon too. Yeah, we'll see. I uh, see if see if I have to stay up all night playing it just to get those two extra packs and that that rainbow colored badge uh all right well that's all the segments we were going to do for episode two uh i was very glad to see 
all the comments that we got on episode one. I think we're not going to be able to put background music in the show. I think we're going to have to wait for the This American Life episode about Plants vs. Zombies to get background music going on. But you won't hear one of us in one channel and the other in the other anymore. I figured out how to, how to fix that. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're really flying by the seat of our pants here, and we just want to do this show because we really love this game, and I'm glad to see so many people on Reddit that are just as into the game as us. And, you know, Ginta Gaming, I uh, just wanted to particularly shout out to you because you're real cool. Yeah, and, uh, and fry him up for, for all your cool videos you put out on YouTube. Yeah, for sure. We've got uh, a new email address if you want to email us stuff to say about the show. It is shroom42podcast at gmail.com. And that's T-W-O-2, right? Yes, shroom4two-podcast at gmail.com. And as well, we have shroom42.com for the episodes and, and show notes and everything else. Yeah, if you want to read our kind of jokey bios that we haven't updated yet uh, and our placeholder pictures of nobody, you can go there and see that. Somebody found our website by searching for it on Bing, which is crazy. If any of you out there are searching for our show on Bing, please let us know. And seek help. Anyway, I think that's all we've got. That's all I got. Till next time, I'm Taylor. And I'm Mike. Mike.